In other words, they told me that they were suspending me under clause 9.1. Budget to ensure financial stability amid rising costs of everyday living. Now, to tell us more about family finance. In today's world, listeners are complex and multidimensional, and it's a little cumbersome to toggle back and forth from channel to channel trying to get your fix. We feel your podcast should be just as diverse as you. Welcome to Fred Talks where the topics are as layered and multifaceted as you are, with a dash of inspiration and a little bit of an edge. What up, what up, what up? Happy New Year to you. Welcome to another episode of Fred Talks, the catalyst for crucial conversations for the culture. I'm your host, Fred B., and I got a very transparent episode to kick off New Year for us. Right out the gate, for my very first official episode, it seemed appropriate to me that I should launch this podcast by sharing with you all what's my why, meaning what's my compelling reason for even starting a podcast. And as I do that, I'm also hoping that it will inspire you all to do the thing that you have been procrastinating on doing. Or maybe you started, but you internalized some of the negative chatter and you got stuck for a minute. Well, hopefully this lights your fire and regalvanizes you to get back in the game and to finish what you started. And before we get into it, though, I got to establish some ground rules. So let me do that. And then I'll be back to unpack this episode. This probably doesn't need to be said, but of course, we're going to say it anyway. The views and opinions expressed on Fred Talks podcast are not to be misconstrued as professional advice, counsel, gospel, a personal attack, law, guarantees, a substitution for hard work, a one size fits all formula for every scenario, or any type of promise. It's a podcast, y'all. Come on. You know you need to consult a credentialed professional before making a hasty or significant change with your life. Don't you? Don't you? Of course you do. Now, be encouraged by the show. Be entertained by the show. Be challenged to cross-examine some of your long-held beliefs. Note, the host and his guests have strong views held loosely. Being committed to lifelong learning means that their perspectives may change in light of your information. That's not contradiction. That's evolution. So please, don't come for us unless we send for you. Now that we have an understanding, let's get back to today's episode of Fred Talks. All right, so why are we even talking about this today? Well, what had happened was I was in a conversation with someone the other day and somehow we got on, onto the inquiry. They asked, Fred, why podcast? And why now? Especially since the podcast space is inundated with a cacophony of other sounds. It's just a lot of chatter, right? Some, some people are uh, adding value to people. Some other people are spewing hate and vitriolic statements and gaslighting and all these other things. So, so why add another voice to all the chatter? And I wish I could give you guys an altruistic answer uh, or something deeply profound, but no. The real reason why I'm doing this is not for the benefit of other people so much as it is to save my life, to preserve my sanity. And that's not hyperbole at all, y'all. Let me tell you. As far back as I can remember, I have been writing in a way that motivates people, inspires people, and I have been wanting to reach as many people as I can. It has always been a dream that I just could not escape. In fact, on the lowest of keys, I'm kind of on my Tupac right now, my Machiavelli vibe right now, you know, with this podcasting thing. And what I mean by that is I want to leave a voice print that will continue to speak even after I'm gone, <clears throat> even after I leave this, this plane, this sphere, if you will. 
either, either, even after I transcend, if I leave this shell of a body and then I'm on another plane or said another way, uh, I won't ever go because my voice will still be here motivating generations that I will never see. But more importantly, I want to chronicle my evolution. These recordings are like a timestamp of what I was thinking in this particular season at a particular juncture. And I also want to archive it for my children to glean from should I leave before they can really appreciate some of my insights? I have very small children, so right now some of these things may go over their head. Or just because we don't always recall events and seasons 100% accurately. So this is almost like a journal, if you will. So if my son ever comes to me and says, hey, Dad, what were you thinking at this stage now that I'm at this stage? And I could say, well, son, we got a podcast about it. I could tell you. I can give you some gems. I can give you some wisdom. But let's see what I was talking about at that time. What was my worldview, my outlook at that time, right? So anyway, I kind of digressed a little bit, but let me get back on track. So I'm telling you, I'm kind of chronicling the events, right? So I said as far back as I can remember, I've been wanting to do this. So even in my adolescent years, I would write poems, poetry. In college, for communications and speech class, I would compose motivational speeches. Now, I could have talked about anything, but I'm in there trying to inspire my uh, constituents and my, my classmates. Uh, and then I went on to Toastmasters. Shout out to Toastmasters. They can sponsor me anytime. <laughs> in my 20s and my early 30s, I would teach and preach from Sunday school class to mentoring young boys to um, teaching in a ministry school to uh, being an associate pastor. Um, I would also perform a spoken word at open mic spots. Um, you know, um, in 2005, you know, I, I found another outlet kind of to do the same thing. Uh, I, I, I released, I produced, um, and wrote and released to record it a musical project. And then I would kind of travel locally to perform that. Uh, 2012, still trying to motivate people and inspire people. I'm creating, and I created and wrote a book entitled Quality of Words is Tied to Quality of Life, which had at the premise, uh, had the premise uh, that to a degree, we eat the fruit of our words. That if we want to have a good life, we should speak in alignment with that good life that we're trying to, to, to uh, come into, to experience. You know, uh, that we call into or call unto us or deter away from us certain experiences by the thoughts that we give expression to. Then fast forward 2013, I launched a consultancy where the majority of my work was uh, around designing content and delivering soft skills, still inspiring people to provide the best customer service that they can to serve their employees, uh, to serve their internal and external customers, uh, you know, to provide, to show up as their best selves, to bring their A game uh, and to continue to excel. Then, then things took a little bit of a shift. Late 2014 through 2018, I went ghost. I went mute. I went off the grid. Part of it was simply because of my growing family and the demands of life. I was in a new season of life, right? Uh, another aspect of it was that I relocated and moved cross country. And it takes a while for you to find your rhythm and get reoriented. In fact, I underestimated just how long it can take, especially because I was traveling for business. So I wasn't home. Uh, long enough in one setting to really plant roots and get a rhythm. And also during that time, my wife and I at the same time were completing online grad school while rearing toddlers. That's a lot of movement, y'all. You know, so at that time, you're not really focusing on inspiring others. <laughs> you try to just you're using all your energy to inspire yourself so you can complete 
your schooling and all your other immediate responsibilities, right? Another part of that was that my appetite and my view of uh, organized religion had uh, drastically changed. Uh, and it's incredibly difficult to separate the baby from the bathwater is what I was finding. So my faith was still intact, but uh, the communities where this faith found expression was challenging for me. It was almost like I said, man, okay, so imagine you have a fan club, but there's some type of dissonance between the fan club and their behavior and what their values, what, what, the, what their brand is compared to the person they say they're a fan of. So if my allegiance is to this person, but my behavior and my expressions are very different, it creates conflict to kind of be in that space, right? And now I'm not saying this is every faith community, uh, but it was so many of them that I just needed a minute to try to sort things out. Um, and so most of my comfortability around public speaking, it started and kind of remained or it was informed or at least drawn from my involvement in church or faith communities. I mean, you know, ain't nobody going to clap for you like a church community, a faith community will, you know, they give you, they give you your first start, you know, and they have many, they try to create a subculture. Uh, and in that subculture, it's also a safe place to kind of just practice your gifts and practice your skills and, you know, and, and it, with an audience that, you know, is kind of endeared to you. So because I wrongly concluded, that my talents and creativity, you know, were best used uh, within the subculture and within the vein of organized religion. Well, I, because I wasn't participating in organized religion, or I was intentionally creating some distance, especially because I saw that, you know, what the, what the, what the faith community on a large scale was being branded as or being known for um, was like hate, things that were just not my core values, you know, uh, homo homophobia, uh, bigotry, um, even some um, nationalistic ideas and just how they got co-opted with politics. I mean, some of the things were just not my core values. And it was just, if I were to participate, I would have to add so many qualifiers, say, yes, I'm here. Yes, I'm a part, but I'm not a part like them, <laughs> you know, and um, it just was not a good deal. So I tried to create some distance. And so as I distanced myself from that community, then I stopped practicing. I stopped uh, even stirring up the giftings that I possessed. I just sat on them and so forth. So I allowed that limiting belief to kind of cause me to go mute. And going mute, and forgive the picture that I'm about to paint, but going mute was like the equivalent of being shut up. And when I say shut up, I'm trying to be nice and saying it was like being irregular, as in like a fiber deficiency. You see where I'm going with that? Uh, it was the equivalent of tampering with the release valve and it induced constipation and as a result, toxicity began to for ferment and continue to grow until it just ate at me and ate at me and I couldn't suppress the impulse and the overwhelming drive. I just had to start back sharing and creating and I just could not endure the toxicity any longer. <laughs> Let me see if I can come at it another way and make it plain. Demi Lovato said that creativity is what helps me escape a lot of my inner demons. So when I think about that in the reverse, or I kind of and I kind of play with that a little bit, uh, I can I can also say then suppressing creativity 
if creativity was is what allowed her to escape her inner demons, suppressing creativity does not allow us to escape our inner demons, but causes us to entertain our inner demons, causes us to yield to them and to become uh, destructive rather than constructive. And after all, I mean, you deconstruct if you're not creating, right? If you're not constructing, then by default, you're probably going to be more prone to deconstruct. And so if there are any creatives listening to this episode, I'm sure you guys are sitting there probably nodding your head and you're attesting to the veracity of what I'm saying, right? Um, Because seriously, you know, even if it's just in our head, we're more susceptible to have destructive thoughts if we're not focused on life producing things, creative type things, things that are virtuous and all those different things, right? So if you're familiar with the Christian tradition, uh, you may have heard of this guy who has, uh, who, who begun as an ultra <laughs> religious guy. Now, when I say religious, I'm using that word loosely, right? Like a lot of times people think any type, anything that has to do with faith is religious, but you could religiously do anything. I'm really, when I say religious, I'm mostly, mostly mean dogmatic, legalistic, um, narrow-minded. That's really what I mean. But I know that's used more loosely. So imagine there's a guy who started off as an ultra-religious, legalistic, performance-driven, self-righteous type of guy, meaning his righteousness was derived from his own work and his own merit and what he could produce. But then he went on to have a major paradigm shift. He had a defining moment that changed everything radically. And then he began to deconstruct some of the beliefs that he used to be extremely dogmatic about. Well, his name is Paul. Uh, he, he, when he and, and, and kind of just the way the story goes is he used to be identified as Saul. But when he had the paradigm shift in a defining moment, he had a name change and his name went from Saul to Paul. And Christians know him as the Apostle Paul, uh, excuse me, the Apostle Paul. And he's accredited with writing approximately two thirds of the New Testament, Testament or the New Covenant. And uh, he said in a letter that he wrote to a Corinthian community, he said, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. That's what he said. I'll say that again. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. Like I can't boast about this for necessity is laid upon me. Yeah. Woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. And he goes on to talk about that his fulfillment is that though he should get paid for his labor right now, I know people cringe at preachers getting paid. He's not saying I should get rich off of this, but he's saying, Hey, if I'm providing something of value and you value it, I should be compensated for it. I mean, that's just how the marketplace works. That's just fair exchange. If I am adding value, then you should reciprocate and add value to me. Right? So he's saying, yeah, I should get paid for this, but I'm so passionate about this that um, if I were to stop doing this because y'all weren't adding value, or if I were to allow any other thing to get me off my square and cause me to suppress this message that's in me that I'm supposed to express, then he's saying I would be utterly depressed. Or he, the word he used was woe. He said, woe unto me. But you could interchange that and say, depressed is me. So if I suppress what is intended to be expressed, it will lead me into a place of depression. Now, even if you're not religious, I think y'all can get with me on that. His passion was preaching the gospel. That was his passion. He, his passion was creating. He was creating letters that he sent, because that was the primary way of communicating then, that he sent 
um, sharing a message of good news, right? But what's your message? What's the song that's that that should be you should be releasing? What's the business that you know the world needs? What's that itch that if you don't scratch it, it's going to drive you nuts, right? What's the thing for you that you've stopped entertaining? You've talked yourself out of it or because you can no longer do it in the setting that you envisioned yourself doing it in or that you used to do it in. You think that it cannot be done. But no, this is the time for the disruptive innovators. We need your innovation. Don't bind yourself to tradition. Don't think because it's always been done one way that it has to always be done that way. What's that dream that used to energize you, used to galvanize you, and now you've memorialized it as if it isn't still demanding your attention, as if it is not nagging you? Don't allow it to torment you. Release it. Let me encourage you in this episode and tell you that unless and until you do that thing, you will not be able to live at your highest state because there'll always be this distracting thought about what if, There'll always be this nagging. There'll always be this sense of fulfillment. And a fulfilled person makes the best contributions because they allow everybody else to get the overflow instead of it relating with everyone else from a place of a deficit and a place of agitation. So you will not be able to live your live from your highest state until you get plugged back into your purpose, until you get plugged back into that thing that you're supposed to be releasing. Now, that's not a threat. I'm not threatening that some deity will minimize you or some deity will uh, mete out some punishment towards you or that some calamity will strike you down is just to say that that thing that you're supposed to be releasing, it's an integral part of you. It's part of how you're wired, right? And it's, it's the thing that you're, you're incubating and, you're, and at some point you got to release it. You, can, you cannot incubate it any longer. Whatever you're passionate about, you're passionate about it for a reason. You aren't just robbing the world of the contribution. You're foreclosing on your own sense of satisfaction. And y'all, isn't that what we want? Satisfaction? And if we're not getting it and it's within our means, we will rely on external stimuli or external sources. And unfortunately, some people create unhealthy dependencies on these other things that they're trying to derive satisfaction from. And really, it will never give them the satisfaction. That's kind of how... Addiction happens, right? We keep chasing the satisfaction and it cannot deliver. So a sense of rest that only results from accomplishment, a sense of ease that comes from finally getting a release, a sense of esteem and, uh, and joy comes from just the journey and the process of contributing. Watch this, regardless of the outcome. That's what we want. That's beautiful to be able to say, I'm going to make this contribution and my joy isn't going to be in seeing how many likes I get from this contribution. My joy is not tied to how well it's received or if it sells. My joy is knowing that I am doing what I'm supposed to do. I have a release. I enjoy doing it. I mean, man, we got to get back into doing things just because we enjoy it. We don't have to commodify everything, right? I mean, I think that is one of the Mm, that's one of the ugly things about capitalism, that everything becomes commercialized, right? Uh, some things we should just do for the beauty of it. Some things we should do just because we love it. Uh, see, see, I'm podcasting not because of the outcome, 
that would be the peripheral. That would be the secondary thing. I'm not doing this for the benefit of others as much as I'm doing this for my benefit because I'm so wired for this. It's just a part of my makeup. And I gave you guys the history in the beginning. Like I'm supposed to be doing this so much so that I would suffer if I don't cultivate this, nurture this and begin to release this. I would be sick. Woe unto me. I would be uh, downtrodden if I don't get the cathartic release that comes from expression. I would literally feel like, and I know this because there was a long time when I was not engaged in this. <laughs> I would feel like, woe is me if I don't get on the mic and speak life and try to inspire someone or try to just release my thoughts in some type of coherent way that can be processed. So, of course, I have some more gems in the bag that I want to give you. But first, let me share some important announcements with you while I have your attention. And then we'll be back for some more. We interrupt this episode to express our gratitude for your listenership. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a regular listener, we want to deepen our connection. There are a few ways to do that. First, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And of course, chances are that if you like the show, your friends will too. So be sure to post, share, and repost on all of your social media outlets. Also, don't be shy. Connect with Fred B on Twitter using the handle at FredTalks, spelled Fred, T-A-L-X. After you've completed those two steps, visit the Patreon page at patreon.com slash fredtalks. Remember, talks is spelled T-A-L-X. And check out the multitude of ways for you to support. Lastly, if you enjoy the podcast version of Fred Talks, imagine how electric a live Fred Talks session would be. Sure, recordings are great, but... When it comes to value, there are some intangibles that require you to be in a live setting to get full impact. The goal is to begin online via the podcast and ultimately take the sessions offline to do the real work of providing solution-oriented motivational sessions to impact current and emerging leaders of all ages. To get more information about hosting a live Fred Talk session for your staff, students, members, send an inquiry to fredtalks.com to get the conversation started. That's all for now. Let's get you back to the show. So now let's bring this thing home. What's your thing? Fill in the blank. Woe is me if, or woe unto me if I don't do what? Think about that. You know, for some people, you have aborted or abandoned uh, the gifting that you've been inundated with for so long that you might have to get into a quiet place, kind of get back in tune with yourself and then rediscover it. You might have to take inventory of what your interests are, what thing gets you riled up, what, where, what, what sparks or ignites uh, your passion. Uh, you might have to get off of social media for a few months so that you can pay attention to what you get excited about. Uh, you have to uh, disrupt your routine because it has blunted your enthusiasm, perhaps. And you may have fallen into this kind of autopilot, unconscious type of flow, but you owe it to yourself to get out of that dismal, woeful state. Give yourself the gift of whatever your gift is. Uh, this is a form also of self-care. You know, do what gives you life. It should be life-giving. Do what you're passionate about. Do the thing that causes you to become animated, causes you to come alive. Maybe you can't do it the same way, 
that you used to do it because you've evolved and you've transcended the boundaries of that community, perhaps, or uh, that model, perhaps, and it wouldn't be authentic for you to kind of condescend or regress back to that. I get that. Uh, maybe you can't go back to the places that you that used to give expression uh, or practice, allow you to practice your thing because, frankly, you don't have an appetite for those places or you're no longer compatible for, for that. I get that, too. But, y'all, the world is yours. You hear me? The world is yours. It's your stage. Go somewhere and pick that thing back up. All right, so here's a moment of candor. For me, I was going to give up motivational speaking because I became disenchanted with preaching. Uh, I also became weary of community orators who uh, would rile people up but did not execute anything. I was struck with grief, uh, if you will, when I realized how much preaching and how much rhetoric, uh, how much motivational speaking we consume, and then I weighed that against the corresponding RI, the return of investment. And, and then further, as I may have alluded to earlier, um, you know, my worldview became so incompatible with what you would call, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, mainstream Christianity or westernized Christianity. Now, hear me out. I believe that uh, mainstream Christianity is simply cultural Christianity. There's a lot of things that are just cultural, that are just traditional, that we uh, superimpose some type of uh, sacred attribute to it. We try to impute, quote unquote, holiness to it. We mystify certain things that are nothing but cultural preferences. I think there's a big difference between um, um, the truly sacred version of uh, faith and how it finds expression compared to the westernized uh, version of what we know as Christianity. I mean, Frederick Douglass, uh, one of my heroes, said it best uh, to loosely paraphrase him. He says he despises uh, this land's version of Christianity because of um, you know, the way that it uh, is slaveholding, child beating and all these different things. And while we don't have the same version of slavery, you know, but there's slavery by a new name, there's mass incarceration. I mean, some of these values that are espoused by, quote unquote, Christians in America are really anti-Christ. You know, um, it, it doesn't model, it doesn't resonate with what I see in the scriptures of Christ, who is um, identifying with the marginalized, who is um, esteeming and affirming women, uh, who is tearing down hierarchical structures, who is, um, you know, just looking out for the disenfranchised, who's speaking truth to power at all costs, who's even disrupting the programs of the religious elite who would try to oppress um, people, or even this whole uh, quote unquote divide between laity and leadership. I mean, I just see a completely different, different thing when I look into scriptures and when I look into culture. And so that kind of messed me up, right? And so I wanted to create some distance between me and the quote unquote establishment, you know, all the ceremony, the pomp and, uh, and pageantry of everything, pomp and circumstance of the pageantry of everything just kind of became a distraction for me. And so for me, I wanted to create some distance from the brand. For me, I wanted to uh, create some distance between me and the revisionist, you know, sanitized, whitewashed version of quote unquote Christianity. Um, I wanted to look at, you know, what does discipleship look like? Forget trying to be a quote unquote Christian and be in that club. Can't you just be a disciple? You know, 
And I didn't really care for the doom and gloom of some of these hellfire and brimstone preachers. Uh, and while that's not all of Christianity, that, they have the biggest platforms, or maybe they don't have the biggest platforms, but they, they bark so loud that they get the most attention and they begin to be the face of Christianity. And so I wanted to share good news, right? Um, but I knew that these Christian empires and enterprises, um, you know, would assail me, you know, little old me trying to rage against the machine, right? It's a well-oiled machine that eats up and spits out its uh, dissenters or those that may challenge it, those that may encourage uh, critical thinking. And I just wasn't up for the fight. So I said, well, forget all of it. And that's the same thing that Paul had to do in a sense, right? Uh, when I look at it, I see that he could no longer go back to the audience of Judaism. He had a message that he was emphatically declaring under Judaism. Um, he had to reach another crowd, though. He didn't let it stop him. He changed his audience. He had to replace his legalistic message with a liberating message. And that's where I'm at, too, right? I can see how I was dogmatic. I was browbeating, uh, Bible bashing. Uh, all these different things, which now I despise. So I'd also have to extend a little bit of grace because I've had to uh, evolve a little bit too. And I'm sure people will continue to evolve. We're all on the spectrum, right? So, um, but I had to, I had to embrace this liberating vibe, right? And I don't want to just now give my message to the four walls of the church. You know, they got enough people talking to each other. I want to talk to a broader audience. I mean, I feel like uh, the way I want to express my faith is more inclusive. You know, I don't want to repel homosexuals. I don't want to repel the people that would not feel welcome in the establishment. I want to be able to talk to them. Frankly, it is not my objective to proselytize anyone. You don't have to be converted to what I practice as my faith. I just want to add value to you and help you be the best, best version of you, no matter what you ascribe to or aspire to be or what you identify as. I just want to help you wherever you're at. I don't have another agenda. My, my agenda is to get this, this, get this creativity out of me and hopefully in a way that adds value. So I can't go back to my old roots the same as before. I still have to create though. So I compose messages of motivation and liberation, not so much for you as I do it for myself. I still got to get it out of me. Out, out of me. Woe unto me and unto you, my friend. If we do not preach or if we do not build or if we do not draw, or if we do not sing or if we do not uh, choreograph uh, the messages, the ideas um, that we have incubating, incubating on the inside of us, I'm telling you, the result is going to be woe. And just like that, it's a wrap. Another episode for the archives. Do you like it? Do you feel it though? Did anything resonate with you? Did it motivate you? So now what? What are you gonna do about it? What's your next move? Share your thoughts by emailing fredtalx at mail.com or connect on Twitter at fredtalks spelled fredtalx. Tune in next time for some more gems.